episode 32 of West New York Brews. My name is Scott, and I'm a home brewer just outside of Buffalo, New York. On this episode, we are talking about the recent acquisition of Northern Brewer and Midwest Supplies by AB InBev, uh, Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser. So big beer coming into the homebrew supply scene. We talk about reasons why they might be doing that and what implications it might have for homebrewers. And this is a discussion with Ethan Cox. I did it live on YouTube. So you can find that YouTube video on YouTube by searching for our username, uh, WNY Brews. You can also find it in a link in the show notes, either in this description on whatever you're using to listen to the podcast or at www.wnybrews.com forward slash episode 32. I'll put the link there as well. And my apologies for for being so long in between episodes. We have a bunch of new episodes coming out, so look forward to those once a week. And I'm thinking about starting a second part of West New York Brews, doing more videos for sure, but also doing one review a week. So reviewing... Uh, homebrew equipment or supplies, not brew, not um, not reviewing a beer, but reviewing equipment, so that there are things that I've used that I know about. So I want to pass on that knowledge, and I'm looking at doing those on Tuesday, Tuesday review days. So look for those in the very near future. But we're going to get right into the discussion with Ethan Cox of Community Beer Works, talking about. InBev's recent acquisition of Northern Brewer and Midwest Supplies. Enjoy. With me right now is Ethan Cox of Community Beer Works. I really wanted to get your opinion on this for a couple of reasons. One, I respect your opinion. You seem like a smart guy. It might just be smoke and mirrors, but that's that's number one. It, it might be. Yeah, go on. <laughs> number two, you are a home brewer. I presume you probably don't do too much of it anymore. Um, yeah, was is probably the operative uh, <laughs> tense there, but uh, fair enough. Was a home brewer, and you're you're in the beer business. You are actively competing against InBev and Anheuser Busch. I don't know how much of it you feel like you're competing against, but as a craft brewer, I suppose you have to be. They're definitely in the competitive space. I mean, right? I they are still combined all the macro, whatever you want to call it, non-craft, however it's defined. It's still 80% or more of the market in the U.S., right? So uh, yeah. by, by any measure, there's, there's more market share that could be had by existing or future smaller craft breweries. Sure. So let me tell you what I was just talking about. I went through the way that I found out that Northern Brewer had been purchased, Northern Brewer and Midwest Supplies, um, just at, at once. Northern Brewer had already acquired Midwest Supplies years ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I was going through that, and then I had started to get into the reasons – of why, and I was I was going from Chris Farley, the owner of Northern Brewer. I was going from his write up about it, saying that it seems like it makes perfect sense for Northern Brewer. He says that they're still independent, which seems a little bit odd. It's an odd choice of words, right. um, since they have been acquired. Not it doesn't say it's not an investment. It's an it's an acquisition. Uh huh. But his his words were it would be good for them. And great for us, as in it's great. It's good for Northern Brewer. It's great for the consumers. Um, mm. I was trying to play out his logic on that. That that means that they can lower prices. They can buy in bigger quantities and spread mm-hmm. that across all of the other ZX holdings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So in that sense, in a price sense, sure, it's great Mm -hmm. for the consumer. And I was just Mm -hmm. going into how difficult it's going to be then for anybody to start up a local homebrew supply shop and the strain that Mm -hmm. it should put or that it would put on uh, the existing local homebrew supply shops. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if you want to think about who uh, hated that news the most, it's probably our friends uh, in Kenmore at uh, Kegworks, right? They just stepped into that space and, uh, and, and they went pretty big. I mean, I know they got the retail store, but it's, you know, Kegworks, you know, they make their money selling stuff online. Yeah. So, uh, Kegworks stepping into that space was already something of an issue for not just our local brick and mortar stores. And I know there was some, some lines were drawn, <laughs> you know, among local homebrewers regarding that, quite frankly, but whatever, mm-hmm. um, the, the impact is broader than just, you know, around here, the two or three homebrew shops we have. Um, so yeah, right. I'm sure they were not, <laughs> I'm sure they, they, they did not love that news. Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, certainly I think you're, everything you just said is exactly, I agree. Um, seems right to me in terms of, uh, the benefit for the consumers, you know, why would Anheuser-Busch want, you know, I mean, it's a profitable business and it makes the money and it's in a related industry and they can capture costs. That's, it could be as simple as that. That seems like the simple reason. I was just saying it, it always feels like a Michael Crichton type evil corporation thing. Right, right. <laughs> but it it could be as simple as exactly what you just said. It could be. If you want to take it to the next level, they have some stake in the future of craft because they are playing both sides. Yeah. And so, you know, it's also in their best interest to have a hand in controlling the culture of homebrewing, which feeds to some extent still Certainly, historically, it drove the craft industry. And maybe tapering off as your as the skills you need to have in hand to get started, you know, are starting to be high enough that it's going to be harder and harder, I think, for for a homebrewer to you know hobbyist to transition into the industry. But that aside, you know, there's some, I guess, value you could imagine in them having uh, some influence in shaping the, the culture of homebrewing. Um, and whether or not homebrewers, you know, hate Budweiser and or what kind of craft they like. Yeah. Since Budweiser's playing both sides. So, I mean, that's not even super deep conspiracy level. That's really sort of practical, you know, marketing concept. Controlling the culture. Yeah. Not controlling. I, that's overstating it, but having a hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I mentioned this to, um, somebody yesterday. I'll, I'll let people remain anonymous. And, and he goes, I've, I've got a friend who, who was, uh, with Anheuser-Busch and knows some of the guys there. Do you want me to ask him? I said, yes, please. Um, so he's no longer with Anheuser-Busch and I, I just got the, the message on my phone, but some of the things that he was saying, uh, resonate exactly with that. He was saying along with the culture to kind of get their finger on the pulse of where craft beer is moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to tap into the homebrew supplies, yeah, for that as as like a large R and D company. To some extent, that's true. I mean, if they, I don't know. Well, could you figure that out just by being a retailer? Maybe. 
I think you'd want to work in conjunction perhaps with looking at the outcomes of homebrewing contests somewhere. Yeah. Or what kind of styles are changing in, in terms of popularity. I don't know how much I don't know how much uh styles in homebrewing I, I don't think they're subject to the same vicissitudes that, you know, they are in the commercial market space. I don't think well I mean, let me put it another way. I bet homebrewers are making more IPAs uh, now than they did, you know, 15 years ago, and they're making them better. So in that sense, you know, uh, what's happening in craft is fed homebrewing rather than the other way around. Yeah, I could see that. People right? people wanting to clone their favorite recipes. Right, right. I don't, <clears throat> I'm not sure how much. Homebrewing, like learning how to uh, make beer and being familiar with processing ingredients and knowing good from bad beer. I think that's the part of homebrewing that gets brought into the industry when you come and, and, you know, uh, and uh, experimentation and, and the desire to, you know, like try new things and create new flavors. So generally homebrewers are, are fairly passionate about beer and, and craft beer. Very few sure. homebrewers are trying to make uh, a Budweiser clone. Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that Northern Brewer is going to put out a Budweiser clone, although Adventures right. in Homebrewing did. Or not Adventures, uh, Homebrew Supply did. Right. Um, the most productive homebrewers are not uh, especially good players in the craft market, though, because for all their opinions and knowledge and education and whatever, they also have a lot of beer on hand. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. When somebody right. asks me, hey, have you tried this yet? Like, no, no, right. I'm drinking my tap in the living room. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> but at, at that point, it, yeah. the, at least being craft beer type drinkers, it almost seems like a, this is the wrong niche for Budweiser to try to get into, for Anheuser-Busch to try to get into, because so many homebrew people would be affronted by it. Uh, the tenor of my Facebook feed about it was definitely like, well, I won't be shopping there anymore. Yeah. So I agree with that. That's what, um, that's what the poll on AHA has as well. Um, yeah. So almost 70% saying I am not in, inclined to buy from an Anheuser-Busch InBev owned retailer. Uh, with only 11% saying we'll buy from whichever company offers me the best prices or selection, which reminded me of uh, music. Right. Because you and I um, grew up where you couldn't download music. Um, I remember that. <laughs> and and when when I was in college and downloading MP3s was a thing, I did it yeah. for a little while before deciding I'm not going to do this anymore, and uh, and made it a point. Probably at at 23 or 24, I'm going to buy all of my music from now on, and it mm-hmm. it has to be worth it. And iTunes certainly helped with that to to let me buy the one song. Um, right. Right. Do you feel like? Because I, I teach elementary school kids and they don't even know what they're doing. They're just doing it. Um, <laughs> well, <clears throat> that's right. I mean, that poll, you always have to think about who the sample is when you think about poll results. This right? is, like these are season, so. homebrew association people. Yeah, well, not everybody joins the club. 
uh, right. you know, there's plenty of homebrewers who are not also reading Zymergy every month. Um, <laughs> they should be. That's my so, call. You should join American Homebrewers Association. Sorry. Continue. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan of the AHA, but I mean, you know, <clears throat> teach their own. Homebrewers are also uh, often very, uh, you know, uh, individual, highly individualistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think a homebrew conference must be a little like herding cats. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, obviously, you know, time will tell whether or not their sales really fall flat and that acquisition ends up seeing like it was a fiscally bad move. Um, my guess is that won't really bear out or be the case or be so massive that I, I think enough people won't really care. That's what it is. Uh, or that's or un- don't know. Yeah. But, well, we're reaching tens of people right now. Tens. Tens of people. Hey, man. <laughs> I, bring, I, bring, I bring a crowd. Um, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, those are my opinions on it, I guess. I, think, I, don't, I don't think, you know, whatever, for myself as a home brewer, uh, to the extent that I home brew, and it's not too often anymore, but, you know, my friends who still do, I think we tend to buy stuff from somewhere in town. Um, there yeah. are a few options. And uh, we'll probably continue to do so for the, for a large part. And then, you know, you kind of mail order like specific things that, you know, people can't really uh, stock around here for whatever reason. Now, that probably will continue. When um, when we talked the first time and I, I, I came to Community Beer Works, just after that, I found the TEDx talk. Oh yeah, uh, on YouTube, and I'll I'll link to that too. And towards the end of that, you you said that one of the best things you can do to keep beer local the, is to brew your own. Uh, yeah, that's true. And uh, I felt like when I when I saw this and and I contacted you, I thought that now is a little bit more muddy. <laughs> True. Um, well, where you buy your stuff is one thing, but I think my take on it as well is that home brewers are very highly educated and informed uh, consumers. And although I did just mention that, very productive home brewers, especially, are not necessarily your best customers because they have a lot of their own beer. Mm-hmm. Um, when they do come in, um, they're in my mind the most. They're, they're my favorite critics. Mm -hmm. Um, because they engage with us about the beer the same way we do. And it's very different from the way super fans, um, who, you know, we have, we, we have, you know, great fans who are not necessarily homebrewers and we love them, of course, but we, um, when, when homebrewers come in, you know, the way they want to talk about the beer, they're, they're speaking, they're speaking our language rather than the language of fandom. And everybody likes praise, but you know, especially when brewers are behind the bar, um, it's a lot of fun for them to to rap with people who want to talk about you know the the various Lovapon levels of the crystal that you used, or <laughs> yeah. you know how how you've changed your dry hopping methodology to make it ever more juicy or whatever. You know, so everything um, has to be juicy. That's why I think it's great for a beer, a local beer culture, to have a healthy home brewing culture. Um, so do you think, though, sorry, go you ahead. know, they, they do, no, I was just gonna say peripherally, they may also contribute by buying your beer, of course, but I think it's more about the, their level of, um, awesomeness as a, as a customer. Do you think that this recent purchase puts that in jeopardy, the local homebrew culture? 
Well, you know, maybe. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm with you. Maybe is exactly where I am too. Right. I mean, to the extent that a brick and mortar homebrew store in your town is important for being the nexus of that culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like in Buffalo, we've got two very active homebrewing clubs. Yeah. And although one of them grew out of the traditions, it's been a long time since, you know, it met in the back of the shop. Yeah. Um, and the Sultans were never really connected to a particular homebrew store and have thrived. And, you know, and so, and where those members shop, I don't know. I mean, a wide variety of places, right? Yeah, that's a good but, point. Um, I think you can have a pretty healthy homebrewing culture without necessarily having brick and mortar in your town. And many towns are not as blessed as we are. I mean, we have, we have at least three that I know. There's, there's uh, let's make wine and beer yeah. out on, uh, uh, transit, I guess. And, uh, and then, yeah, keg works and then now traditions. So, and, um, the Dunkirk homebrew supply, does that count? Yeah, that's right. That counts, right? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. We'll call that Western New York. Yeah. Every yep. once in a while, I get to walk to 10,000 Vines. It's a, it's a wine um, supply shop, among other things. But I can get certain things there, which is nice. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I guess last question, if you don't mind. In, in sure. the software community, it's, it's almost the goal to make something great and then have it purchased by somebody bigger. Sure. I, I don't feel like that's the goal in brewing or, or home brewing, I suppose in home brewing now, cause, cause of this, uh, as somebody who runs a craft brewery, is that one of the goals? I'm not saying that, that you would, or, or you even have to say that. Do you see that as a goal of craft brewers at the moment to get bought out uh, and get out? Right. Well, <laughs> not so you in, was, in particular, if you know what I mean. Okay, right. That's, I mean, what we're broadly talking about here is what's referred to as an exit strategy. Yep. And though I'm not really uh, uh, a maven by any stretch, I'm given to understand that when you <clears throat> initiate a business, your exit strategy should actually be something you're giving some thought to, even as you're just starting to raise funds and reify this, this vision of yours. Um, so, so, uh, we, I, us have, and of course those things are evolving. Mm-hmm. Maybe that what we considered as a viable exit strategy or strategies, uh, four years ago have, you know, have changed somewhat in those. I will say that I don't criticize anybody who starts a business for having an explicit exit strategy. That is, I hope I get bought by someone bigger. That's one reason to start a business. It's totally legit. Whatever reason it is that you've got to start a business, you run it fair. And so I don't know that when you have that outlook, you'll necessarily make the best beer, but you could, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. That's Um, a good point. That's a good point. You know, um, yeah, I know that that's kind of how it goes in the software IT kind of world, you know, get bought by Google yep, <laughs> uh, or Facebook or whatever. But um, 
I think I think I don't think there are too many people who start a craft brewery and hope to get bought by Anheuser Busch <laughs> right. or Tenth and Blake <laughs> or one of the many arms of that. Yeah. Um, I think it's much more. I think the people who start craft breweries tend to be much more idealistic and kind of uh, a little bit more anti-corporate or ex-corporate in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, and and so they probably have other exit strategies in mind. Uh, but then you know, but then the things change. You know, I mean, who knows, right? There's guys at Legion. You know, it's famously the case that I guess. You know, three of them voted to to be bought, and uh, of course, you know, great hero of the BA, uh, <laughs> what's his face, you know, said no, no, never, but he's outvoted. Yeah. Uh, but of those three guys, I don't know, man, man, one of them maybe was like, dude, my my, I've got five kids, and the first one starts college next year. Wow, this could really you know make the difference <laughs> for me. I have this image of of when community beer work gets bought out by by AB InBev. Of of you throwing on your sunglasses, popping the collar. I don't know why popping the collar is part of the image. Sure. Uh, but then you go to Yankee Stadium and you've got Goose Island, Budweiser, and CBW right there on tap. Right. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't foresee that future, but it sounds pretty cool. Right. Um. Kind of. I couldn't hold it against yeah, I mean, you. I couldn't start a business. At least partly because you want to make money. That's got to be uh, a thing. And I'm, we're shifting topics a little bit, but uh, I think we've perpetrated something of a mis, misdeed by uh, growing this industry in such a way that we've kind of misled consumers to think that we started these businesses for them. <laughs> <laughs> You know uh, what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. uh, I hate to burst the bubble, but it is a business. And Absolutely. there are decisions going to be made that are the right decisions for the business. And sometimes there's a, you as a customer might find that you part ways with that business over those decisions and that's fine. But that's one know, of the great things it's, about it's like this an country elephant in the room. Yeah. Is that people can choose where to put their business and, uh, and being bought out isn't always bad. Unless it's by shouldn't, AB and It shouldn't always be. Yeah, right. I don't have a great fondness <laughs> for that company. And that's that's the thing. You know, and I don't have a great fondness for its products, though I've drunk them. Yeah. And uh, I'll surely drink them again. Um, but I don't I don't typically pay for them, for what it's worth. There you go. Um, yeah. I have a friend who only drinks Budweiser, so if I go visit him, I'll, I'll pick up a 30-pack, you know, whatever. And we all have those so friends. Yeah. It's cheap and he appreciates it. So what do I care? But um, I don't typically spend on their products. I'm not fond of the company, and I'm, a, I'm definitely not fond of the way they, they play in the marketplace. I think they bend and or break rules a lot. I think they force distributors under their thumb, and you know have thereby crowded out you know the ability of small guys to to get into the market and grow. Uh, so, you know, those are my complaints, um, but that don't necessarily apply to uh, the average consumer, you know, those are, those are, that's from the perspective of within the industry. Well, I like to think that the people who listen to this podcast are above average consumers. True. <laughs> that might not be true. I, <laughs> I like to think well, that. Well, there's, there's tens of them. There's tens. You know, so. uh, maybe even <laughs> yeah. dozens. I wouldn't go so there's far as to say dozens, wow. but there's at least tens. Uh, 
So at least homebrewsupply.com found a way to make money off of this by by making their um their Belgian uh what's it called? Oh yeah, I thought yeah, Belgian whatever, Belgian kale. Yeah, they're Belgian lager because they said it's not an American lager. It's a Belgian lager with Northern Brewer hops, which is which is a great troll move. Yes, I thought that was pretty cool. Somebody in somebody's marketing department. Fifteen percent off for not bud the coupon code. So there you go, everybody. There you go. Is that a Buffalo thing to say coupon or coupon? Uh, I'm more of a. I guess I say coupon. Yep, coupon. I don't say coupon. Yeah. Coupon. I also say great coupon. That's right, right? Well, um, as long as you pass it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to chat about it. I actually haven't really given it that much out loud thought. So it was, it was, it was fun. Well, the goal is to try to see it from both angles. And again, I would never, I would never, actually hold it against somebody i'm not going to hold it against chris farley if i were him i can't say i wouldn't do the same thing um just for the fact that i think the local homebrew supply companies might need it even all the more now i'm not going to purchase through northern brewer anymore but i'm also not going to hold it against somebody who does because i don't know what you're doing if you're do if if the price matters that much more then that's fine Right. You got to do what you got to do as long as people are brewing beer. There you go. That's, uh, I think that's a pretty principled uh, approach there. So have, have a great night and thank you. Yep. Cheers. You too. So once again, thank you to Ethan Cox from Community Beer Works for his discussion on this. If you want to find us, you can find us at WNY Brews on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook.com forward slash WNY Brews. We are on YouTube. We are on untapped untapped.com forward slash user forward slash wny brews and you can always email me scott at wny i really appreciate you listening look for more episodes coming very very shortly and once again thank you to the rearview ramblers for the use of their song you can't buy beer with condolences look for their shows at rearviewramblers.com and check out their new ep buffalo americana so we'll see you on episode 33, and thank you for listening. Because you-